right, guys. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Ocean State Athlete Podcast with Matt and Todd. Todd, what's up, buddy? Hey, how we doing? Not bad. Run a little late. Had a good week <laughs> in sports since the last time we talked. Yeah, really. It's, it's on overload. I know. Maybe it was, that's so, what it it was is. so nice <laughs> <laughs> to have options, to actually yeah. have options to uh, stuff to watch. We went from one extreme to the next. Exactly. Exactly. We had Great. football. We had, uh, you know, setups for conference finals. We had all types of good stuff. What do you think Open's of uh, coming up tomorrow? Tennis. Forgot about that. Well, U.S. Open tennis was last week. I'm not no. talking about that. Oh, I'm talking golf. about the U.S. I... Open golf starts up oh. tomorrow. There's a lot so of that's stuff. That's pretty going crazy. On. Um, what do you think of the opener? Um, NFL. Well, you mean Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday Look, night. It was a blowout. Uh, it was classic Bill O'Brien. Came up yeah. very small unprepared to play in a very big game that was nationally televised. We've come to expect that from Bill O'Brien, unfortunately for Texan fans. And it's really unfortunate too, because the guy gets more control as the years go on. And um, first we saw his, his ineptness on display Thursday night uh, with his team on the field. And then I got to witness his ineptness indirectly as a 49er fan to watch DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) <laughs> debut as an Arizona Cardinal. So you watch epic uh, fails yeah, as double. coaches and as a and as an executive. Yep. So it was both on full display for me <laughs> for my my watchful eyes. And DeAndre Hopkins was the best player in the field. Um, yeah. There was no question about that. He was the difference in the game. Um, and then you know Bill O'Brien just traded him away for a bag of chips. So I mean that just I don't understand why. Texans management gives him any responsibility and then they why they continue to give him more. It can't be just because his his affiliation with Bill Belichick, but I can't come up with anything else. That's the only thing that makes sense though. It's yeah. like, or you know, maybe he's a good talker behind the scenes and the guy has absolute trust. His owner's like what, eighty five years old? Maybe he's I mean, just maybe. Like, you know, I he's, trust this uh, guy. He's never won anything. He was no. mediocre, taking over a very strained situation at Penn State after Paterno. Very, I mean, good. that was he, a tough spot. He did build. He did build a good program there, and he was he was yeah, the he, type of guy where you leaned on him, and he, he, and was, he capitalized he, off of one good uh, Christian Hackenberg season. Yeah, I mean, he brought some stability. Yeah. It's not like they did anything at Penn State. They yeah. were just the bar was very low. Um, nobody really knew what to expect after after that kind of a tragedy and catastrophe that gone on that went on in a program in a small town. He comes in, you know, and he's he's passing through, parlays it into an NFL job that he should have been fired a handful of times in my opinion. I agree. I agree. What do you think of the uh of the booze at the uh at the beginning of the uh of the Texans Chiefs game? Well that's that's a Sm- good question. Smatter I mean, booze, but booze nonetheless. Yeah, I don't know. I mean it depends. I've heard different takes on it. Uh I, they, you know, they could have been booing the Texans for not coming out and, and honoring yeah. the flag. They could have been booing the fact that they were not honoring the flag. I mean, there's a lot of different perspectives, but mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, you can't get upset about it. I mean, everybody's got a right to express their opinion. A lot of these protests, especially in the NBA, yeah. have been going on basically or a television event. Yeah. There's no fans, so there's yeah. no risk. There's no... yeah. Nobody really can say anything. So this was the first time we got to really see a fan's reactions to this politi- politization of sports. And, 
you know, I'm, it wasn't surprising. But it, I don't think it was the story. I thought we thought it would be part of the story, and it wasn't. So I was pleased with that. I, I definitely think it was. Uh, they did make a a statement, and I think it was a statement that we all stand together and we're all working yeah. together for whatever for whatever cause they they decide to to be towards. I was really happy with what the Dolphins did. Did you see that? I did not catch that. Game. They they released a, a video mm-hmm. explaining what they were going to do. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it made me think of our first podcast with, yeah. with John Hope and, and yeah. talk about real change versus slogans and yeah. gestures. They were taught that's basically was their theme. We're, we're not about gestures and slogans. We don't want to confuse people. We, we don't want to send the wrong message. We yeah. don't want to stand and, and disrespect somebody and kneel and disrespect another group. What we want to do is yeah. actually use our platform to change things. Yeah. They did make the decision to stay in the locker room, which I think is fine. I mean, stay in the locker room. It's the lesser of two evils. You know what I mean? If I you're agree. not present, then you can't think, do something, you know. I don't think we need to be – I don't – I think you're going to see NFL, uh, you know, CBS, Fox, they're going to start to – just pick up the game. They're going to cut out the national anthem. And who decided that the national no anthem has to be? Who who has decided it had to be played before games? Well, I mean, the NFL. It's, it's tradition, but is it in, necessary? It's. I mean, really, it was always tradition, but it never really became television. You know, viewing until mm-hmm. after nine eleven. Yeah. After nine eleven, it became a big deal. Yeah. And. The NFL really became like the patriotic league. Yeah. Um, that really was a good move for them PR wise. I mean, a lot of that speaks to their fan base, Americana. Yeah. It's, you know, they went in for the America's pastime and all that. And then Colin Kaepernick kind of busted that up in 16. And they had themselves a crisis. They saw the dip in the ratings, regardless of whether he was right or wrong. I mean, the, the numbers didn't lie. And then you saw what the NFL ownership did. I mean, the television stations, they, they, the networks, they put pressure on them to, to get that under control. And they, and they had to, and they did. And then you saw the ratings come back. So really, if you look at the numbers, I mean, that's, you know, the fans kind of spoke loudly there. And now, from what I saw, the ratings were down again over the weekend. So I think that sports in general has a bit of an issue on their hands. I mean, do they want to get political and alienate people? And the other, the other issue is they were very quick to shut things down. Mm-hmm. And then they were kind of hesitant, not the NFL, but some leagues to come back. Yeah. And a lot of people found other things to do. Yeah. You know, and they found like, uh, you know, other interests. Yeah. They found other, other stuff. Unfortunately, when you have a habit like that and you get your fantasy leagues and you get your mm-hmm. teams going and you're watching it and it's part of your routines, it's easy to keep those fans. But some of these fans are like, look, they took up other things because they had to. And that so the sports are going to have to fight for those viewers back, I think. Well, you know, so, you, you said with sports being canceled, you know, high, some high school football is canceled. Big Ten football, like we discussed, yep. which we'll, we're going to hit on later. Um was canceled. Now it's brought back. So we have a, we have a, a ton to chat about with that. Yep. Um, obviously, our guest today is going to be Emerson Kilgore, um, <clears throat> former Pilgrim uh, football player, played uh, football at Syracuse. He's back um, running uh, Flex Fitness, uh, 
whole bunch of other other things. He's also helping spearhead uh, the protests for Let Them Play R.I. so that they can uh, participate. We're going to bring him in in a bit. You know, uh, obviously we have do have being basketball guys. We do have to give yep. a shout out to the Celtics. At least I have to yeah. give a shout out to the Celtics. Yeah, the Celtics. made it to the Eastern Conference, even though they gave one away yesterday. They certainly um, did. They've they've had issues closing games. Yeah. That's for sure. Exactly. But uh, last week's episode, uh, we brought uh, gave out the email to our mailbag question. So we did get our mailbag question in this week from Ryan Goodwin. Um, All right. The email is askmattandtodd at gmail dot com. Uh, the mailbag question is in the NBA. Who is the best coach and GM duo currently? Mm. That's a good you one. Take, you, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Well, I I don't think it's that difficult, but why don't you go first? I am gonna. Well, I I'm gonna have to go with uh, with Pat Riley. Oh, that's who I was gonna go with. Oh, all right. I don't think it's a hard. Right, I'll go hard with my question. second choice. I'll go with my second choice. Pat <laughs> Riley and Spolstra. I mean, they got that team in the conference finals. I mean, you Pat know, Riley is is the guy, man. He can do anything yeah. down there. So, who who would you say is second then? Second best, I think, when it comes to building a program, um, right now, currently, the way the new NBA is played, you got to go with Danny and Brad Stevens. I think you know two teams playing against yeah. each other. You know, you can always go Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, but they're they're beneficial. I do not like Steve Kerr, so I would yeah, never. But they're beneficial but because they signed people. They're on the right page. Exactly. Sure. They work out together. They're you know they they got benefit that uh, Steph Curry had ankle ankle issues, was able to sign an under market value contract. So yeah. they're able to pay other people, and and now they're able you know they're billionaires, so now they're going over the luxury tax. Yeah, well, they're going to have trouble now that they gave yeah. Draymond Green and his mediocre play all that money. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. pressured into that. Exactly. Um, so, I would say, what about what about what they do? I like Quinn Snyder in Utah. I think Quinn Snyder Utah, really, and, oh, he does a lot with a little. In that market, especially they don't spend a lot of money. Yeah, and they, they, they made some guys. really wise draft choice. I don't know yeah. who the GM is, but yeah. I really like what they do there. That's a good organization. And, you know, uh, Danny Ainge and Brad, I, I think Brad Stevens is fantastic. I don't yeah. know about Danny Ainge. Yeah. Uh, he's, I don't know. I wouldn't put him that well, high he didn't, up, blow, he didn't blow any draft picks. No, he didn't. So he set the uh, I guess that's really helpful. That's true. <laughs> you know, and he set a decent culture and he hired the right coach. Yeah. So, you know, it could be worse. There are worse options. I, see, I, I kind of put Ainge in the category of Doc Rivers we saw mm -hmm. last night. I think they kind of. You know, they got carried to a title. Yeah. Uh, KG, Pierce, yeah. Allen, Rondo, they had a great year. And it, it, it took them seven games to win that. Yeah. They almost didn't even win that. And I just haven't seen a whole lot else, else from Danny Ainge. I think he made a really good move to get Jason Tatum. I, think that, I thought yeah. that was the, the winner of that draft. Yeah. But he's really gun-shy a lot with all yeah. those picks. And so I don't really, I, I not, usually get out of He doesn't swing for the fences. He doesn't right. swing for the fences. I think Danny Ainge is content with hanging out, getting a three seed, making some noise. But I don't know if he's the guy that's going to get them like to the Pat Riley's level where they're going to win championships in multiple places and just have that culture of winning and at all costs. 110%. I don't see that's, it. that's definitely agreeable. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to, uh, Bring in Emerson after the break. Guys, uh, at 9 o'clock uh, on all platforms, uh, watch the Tom Gron 
Ronkowski show with Ruth, Ruth the Truth. Take a look. I'm not sure if I like that music better than that. That Gronkowski uh, show probably has a lot of content. I mean, Rob Gronkowski yeah. looked like hot garbage <laughs> on Sunday, exactly. did he not? <laughs> wow, he looks washed. Exactly. We're going to bring in uh, Emerson Kilgore. Um, we're going to discuss some stuff going on in Rhode Island. We're going to uh, discuss a bunch of things going on. So, uh, hey, Emerson, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? How you doing, bud? Not bad. So thanks for uh, coming on out. We're excited to have you on. We wanted to, uh, first off, discuss a little bit of your story um, mm -hmm. about you uh, playing football at Pilgrim and then making your way to uh, to college and then also what you're doing now and then what's going on with uh, Let Them Play R.I. and all the rallies going on at the Statehouse. Okay, well, first, thank you for having me. Um, I think it's a great opportunity here um, just to talk and get the, yep, get the story out here. So. Um, my story is, well, from 1992 to 1996, I was at Pilgrim High School. I was a three-sport athlete, uh, football, wrestling, and track. Um, I threw a shot put with uh, track. I was not a runner. Um, yeah. <laughs> just make sure that's very clear. Um, <laughs> I was an all-state uh, football player, all-state and all New England wrestler, and all-state all New England shot player. Um, from from there, I um, was very blessed to get a scholarship to Syracuse University um, from '96 to 2000, and uh, played up there for uh, was up there for five years. I played my last two, um, and uh, you know, got got plenty of amazing stories that most Rhode Islanders don't really know. But did you uh, play for Paul Pasqualoni? I did. Yeah, see, he's from my near next to my hometown in Hamden, Connecticut. He coached Cheshire right. High School Cheshire, for a while. Yes, yeah, I was coached under him, and you know, I was I was coached under a lot of great coaches. Uh, a lot of those coaches are still actually that coaching. Coughlin there? No, no. Um, no, he wasn't so, there. He um, went after him. Jeff Jeff Stoutland, he was there. Um, yeah. He's now the coach for the. He was the coach for the Philadelphia Eagles the offensive line. Um, I yeah. think everyone knows Ed Ogeron. He's the current. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he was my defensive line coach. And he's coached yeah. everywhere. He has. He actually has an amazing story as well because yeah. he literally bounced around. Uh, he was at USC for a while. Yeah. And he, he should have been there, and that didn't happen. But it was a testament to his, uh, you know, determination yeah. to, you know, to be a force in football. And now needs to say that's exactly what he's doing here. Um, yeah. I was coached under Steve Adazio, who was the former head coach at Boston College. I believe now he's the current head coach at Colorado State. Oh yeah, and, and um, George DeLeon, who um, is well known throughout the football world as being one of the um, one of the great offensive line coaches. So um, I had a plethora of, of, and of Syracuse is uh, they they produce a lot of football coaching talent and playing talent. Doug Marone coached there. Yes, Tom Coughlin was there. Yes, right. Wait, right. no, not Tom Coughlin. He's coached at BC. Oh, no. I, I keep right. mixing those two schools up, but yeah, Doug Marone. Yeah. Uh, McNabb played there. Yes, I played. Yeah, I played with McNabb. Um, um, you know, I, I, I met a lot of Hall of Famers. I, mean, I met Marvin Harrison. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I played with Dwight Freeney. Um, oh, yeah. you know, yes, the, the 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 list goes on, and that's actually one of the big things I tell a lot of these kids. Um, you know, you you know, the ones I train here in Rhode Island is like you have a Rhode Island guy that has played with you know and and battled with some of the greats. I mean, I, I played against Tom, I played against Tom Brady in college. 
You know, yeah. that, I mean, people see that and like, wow, really? So, yes, he played for Michigan, and you know, we went there and we beat him, and then he came to the Carry Dome and he beat us. So, but you know, I played against Michael Vick and Edron James, and you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. And um, you know, the I, I love telling these stories because again, I am born and bred in Rhode Island. I was born in Providence. You know, I, I moved out here a few, uh, you know, a few years after that, um, about, about 10 or 11. And, you know, I share a, a similar story. You know, we have a Newport Creamery up here where some of these kids hang out. But, yeah, I was hanging out with the same Newport Creamery. <laughs> so the, I feel that's important for these, these up-and-coming student athletes to know and understand because I was just like them. I mean, granted, I did put in the work, which I thoroughly explained to them. That you know, if you want to make it to those levels, that's what's needed. And you know, I also tell them too, I made it in a time where Rhode Island athletes were not being recruited. I was one of three um, Division One athletes from Rhode Island in the entire spectrum of Division One. There was only two, uh, two more. It was uh, Mike Cloud who played at Portsmouth, who went to Boston College, and then it was Buddy Rogers who played at East Providence, that played at Maryland. So that was it. You know, right now it's a little bit different, and I'm definitely glad to see that. But back then, you know, big time college coaches were not looking in, in Rhode Island at all. So, you know, I, I, I was very blessed for that opportunity. Um, I, I made the absolute best of it. Um, you know, a lot of things did not work out quite the way I wanted to. But as you know, as I like to say, you know, everyone says, you know, when life hands you lemon, lemons, you make lemonade. Well, life handed me an orange and I made, you know, orange juice. And all the rest of the things you can make are oranges. And the, the most important thing I talk about is the fact that because of football, not only did, did I get one degree, I got two. Because after, after college, after Syracuse, you know, I had tryouts and those didn't work out. And I, I went back to Syracuse. I was living with my girlfriend at the time. And one of the coaches, uh, one of the, uh, the defensive end coach, uh, Jerry Asenow, asked me that I want to coach football. I'm like, right now, I, I said, I'll do just about anything. And he uh, he linked me with one of the coaches. Um, and I started coaching uh, college football at 22 years old. Wow. At, uh, Canisius College in Buffalo, New York. And because of that, I mean, it was technically a, a, a GA position. But in, and because it was a lower level of football, that GA position was actually a position coach. And so I, I coached the tight end my first year and the defensive line the next. And within those uh, two and a half years I was there, you know, I earned a master's degree. Wow. So, you know, that, that's how important sports was to me. I wouldn't be the man that you're looking at right now for one of the sports. And again, it all started at 111 uh, Pilgrim Parkway, which is the address of Pilgrim High School. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, and, you know, I, I, I tell a lot of the kids, listen, like my story was, you know, I was definitely blessed that I got, but there was definitely a lot of work. You know, a lot of these kids think, oh, it's easy because they see all these other kids doing this and all these other athletes, you know, you know, you know, doing what they're doing on the field, stuff like that. It, it took a lot of work. I was not a Division One player in 1992. I can guarantee you. You can ask anyone. Do you think that the level of work back then was different than the level of work, or at least what I guess what I'm getting at is that I guess the motivation to put the work in back then versus nowadays? Do you think it's the same? No, it's definitely much more now because right now you're, the, the talent pools are bigger. And, yeah. you know, every kid is, you know, doing what you're doing. You really have to stand out. And that's in every state, you know, but especially here in Rhode Island. Like, you, you have to stand out here. You have to be that big fish in a very small pond in this state to move on. 
And mm-hmm. you know, have you seen it over the years with you know, um, you know, with Quiddy Pay and Xavier Trust and 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 Delaney uh, Galloway um, at the Boston College? I mean, you you've seen these kids really stand out and do their things. And I know there's many others as well who've made it to Villanova and URI. Um, that that Good friend Malik Davick from last episode. Yep. And another theme was John Hope. We we talked about this yeah. opportunities that sports brings. Yes. To kids. Um, and how important they are, not just on the field, just all in all phases, like what you're talking about. Uh, we talked right. about that in our first podcast. So, I mean, that seems to be a theme right now. Right. When, I mean, you, when you train these kids and you're working out with new kids, new athletes, especially the younger kids, are you teaching them um, as much skill development as you are teaching them that uh, education is really the key and to be using sports more for a free education because the light, not that you want to discourage from the NFL dream, but that sports is a more of a catalyst and a tool to better yourself for yourself, for your family. And just, or do you, or do the kids still just have the pipe dream? So I definitely teach the kids that, you know, football is a path to higher education. Um, that, that is the goal. Um, one thing that I always tell uh, these athletes is that, you know, if you're a betting man, do you bet on 98%? A possibility of happening or a two percent. Yeah, right. So like, oh well, ninety eight percent, obviously. It's like, yeah, exactly. Ninety eight percent of Division One athletes do not go to the NFL. Right. So they look at me because they're thinking, oh well, you know, ninety eight percent has got to be a good. He must be talking about guys going to the NFL. It's like, oh, I am, but I'm talking about the two percent that go on to the NFL and the ninety eight percent that don't. And you know, right. granted, is you know the CFL and and you know I know arenas kind of go on. There's a couple other little leagues that are similar to arena football, but that's it. And, you know, you know, if you're a betting man, you're going to bet at 98 percent. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of these kids, I mean, they, they, they see the NFL, they see the glitz, the glamour, the money, these guys riding around these brand new cars and, you know, all the partying and all the stuff they do. But only the top two percent move on to the NFL. So it's like, what are you going to really prepare for? I mean, if you're one of the less ones that, that get that opportunity, great, you know, more power to you. You know, um, you know, you're never going to be upset with that. But I mean, you have to be prepared for reality, which is. You know, yeah. there's a very good chance you're not going to the NFL. And then of that two percent, I mean, it's 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 one thing to make the NFL, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. Then you to stay in the NFL is even right. more rare. I mean, well, what is it? A year and a half is the average shelf life now for a right. NFL and, player. And honestly, there's another thing I, I tell the athletes is like, what does the NFL stand for? And of course, they look at me like, what you know what the NFL stands for? It's the National Football League. And I said, no, it's not for long. You know, it's like, yeah. these guys, I mean, I mean, you, you see some of these guys, it's like a car wash. You're in and you're out, you know, and, and again, it's like, you know, well, oh, well, you think there's longevity, but yeah, there is with some, but again, you got to keep in mind, the draft is the following year. That's right. You know, the agency is, 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 you know, a couple months away. So right. a lot of guys, you know, they're fighting for position spots and everything else, and it doesn't happen. And that's that, you know, it's, you know, you have the. You know, you have the memories, you have the, you know, you have the, the you know, you have the right to say, you know, I made it onto a team, but right. that's it. And there's nothing, I mean, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. I mean, the yeah. NFL is obviously, you know, hyper-competitive, but, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. That's yeah. really good. We're going to take a quick break uh, for a little station identification. We're going to bring in Coach Marzillian next. We're going to discuss with right. the Let Them Play R.I. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to have our fantasy draft. And uh, a bunch of other topics that we're going to try to hit Big Ten football. So uh, take a break.
All right, guys, welcome back to the Ocean State Athlete Podcast with Matt and Todd. We got our uh, special guest, Emerson Kilgore, here, and we're going to bring in Coach Marzilli, who uh, is a former uh, Providence College football player. We're not going to say what year, but he might tell you. Uh, he's a former player. He's, he's a uh, former high school coach, um, and he's also uh, a safety coordinator. So he is going to have a special insight into uh, all the COVID-related topics that we're going to bring up in the next segment. All right. Gerard, how you doing, bud? Doing well, doing well. Hello. I actually got myself a little techno training as part of this as I was trying to uh, (laughs) download Google Chrome onto my uh, Mac. So it was uh, sounds very experience. Okay, Emerson, I got one for you. In uh, the nineteen ninety eight Orange Bowl, it was happened to be celebrating my twenty fifth wedding anniversary, and a good friend of mine, uh, Dan Egan who uh, was a, uh, an official in the Big East office, and he knew it was our anniversary. And he said, what are you going to do for your anniversary? I said, man, I'd love to catch a bowl game. And so I ended up with some uh, pretty sweet seats and all the uh, perks and all the VIP events for the Orange Bowl, which was uh, Syracuse and the uh, Florida Gators. And I had, seat, I had seats. Uh, of course, I got stuck behind the uh, – the Florida uh, bench in the middle of the Gator country there. But the scene watching Donovan McNabb running his, his, uh, you know, now it's, you know, it's an RPO, it's a run pass option, but that was Donovan's game with Javon, with Javon curse pursuing from the backside. And I mean, curse was the size of a small building yet. He's coming down the line of scrimmage and a couple of times McNabb made the cut. He got the bite from the uh, contain guy. And the next thing you know, he got tackled and he turns around quickly and looks and curses helping him up. And uh, man, what a foot that was. That was my closest introduction to uh, big time division one football. And I also have to thank Emerson because of, uh, I was coaching at the time at Tollgate High School, and uh, George the Blois was uh, Dominic's be- Dominic Marcone, who was Emerson's high school coach, his best uh, golfing buddy. And when Dominic had a tough foursome and they were playing for something besides uh, a couple of meatball sandwiches, he'd bring George around. And Big George was one of the best long hitters, and if it was best ball, uh, the deal was done. But while they were recruiting Emerson, uh, Coach Pasqualoni, and especially Coach DeLeon, who summered in Charlestown, Rhode Island, uh, always said, hey, Dom, if any of your coaches want to come up and work the camp, we'd love to have them. Well, all Dom's coach was swinging golf clubs in the summertime, so us schmucks from uh, Tollgate High School would get to go up and work the camp. And uh, so they'd match up us high school coach with the Syracuse staff. So with one one year, I got to spend the whole uh, four days of the camp as uh, Coach Adazio's gopher. And I held a lot of bags as he was a tight end coach at the time. And we were taking the guys through my their paces. But the best character the next year, I was uh, Coach Ogeron's. Oh, yeah. Sidekick. Go. <laughs> I got a few, I got a couple of Jimmy Johnson stories out of him because wow. one of his yeah. stops before Syracuse, yes. uh, he was at uh, Miami, and when he was at yeah. Miami, the way he told it, they worked hard in practice, but at night Jimmy liked to go out and uh, 
visit uh, what's going on in South Beach. And Jimmy would get, Jimmy, you know, was never a shy guy. And so Ocheron's, one of his greatest accomplishments was he was basically uh, Jimmy Johnson's bodyguard when wow. they'd go out. And Jimmy might get in a little bit of trouble, but uh, Coach O would get him out of it. And the other thing is, Ocheron was a great salesman. Not yes. that he would shake down the uh, Powerade guy, but when the Powerade guy was filling up the machines and, um, in the uh, at the athletic center there, he would always make sure to get a couple of cases, and he would beseech the young the high school kids to make sure you put a put a dollar in your sock, son, put a dollar in your sock, and we get a break and get an ice cold Powerade. That was how he, he was raising his beer money for that night. I mean, Ogeron is just the character, but uh, you know you watch him, and I mean, he really stuck his neck out because. Uh, when he took over that uh, interim job at um, USC, he really he really turned the program that was in tremendous turmoil and steered the ship and had a successful season. And they were slow on the draw, and he, they ended up not offering that. And then he took the shot, and uh, you know the rest is history. But it's it's great to see a guy who, you know, chased that dream. Emerson's talking about dreams with some of these guys and boy, he chased it. And it's, yeah. it's good to see that uh, he got his due. Yeah. Yes. I, I just saw coach Ogeron. Um, the, the Nike clinic was uh, in Connecticut uh, a little while ago and uh, he was one of the speakers. I saw that picture. That's great. And yeah, I, I was sitting in the audience and he, he kept looking at me. I, I could read his face. Like I know this guy from somewhere. So um, the, uh, the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at, at UConn, Frank Joff, I played with him at Syracuse. So I saw him and I was talking to him for a little bit. And then I'll, it's, so obviously, you know, they don't let anyone in the back. So um, Frank obviously was one to one. So I was like, you mind if I go back and see Coach? And he's like, of course. I go back there and I go into the room and he turns around and he's like, Emerson, I knew that was you. Now, literally, it has been well over yeah. 20 something years that I've seen him. He remembered my name. I shook his hand, gave him a hug. You know, we talked for a few minutes. Um, he was very happy to see, you know, how I progressed because. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, things were a little rough that first year at Syracuse for me. But um, you know, he, he was very happy to see me. He's very happy to see the man I became. And honestly, I mean, yeah. he gave me, you know, he gave me his phone numbers. Emerson, anytime you need to talk, you want to come visit down there, please, you know, call me. I'll set it up. I mean, just an uh, outstanding guy. And I, he was always like that. He was always such a good guy. Well, and, we're gonna you know, have to. You're gonna have to send him a text so he can join our podcast next time. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. You might need a translator. You might need a translator. Coach Ogeron starts talking his Bayou talk. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bayou talk. <laughs> so I do want to talk about a couple rally that friends. happened Saturday. Yes. Um, yep. Emerson, you were there. You were helped spearheading the rally, and yes. it's about getting the kids back to play. Right. Hopefully, football bring it back. What early October? I would assume is the goal, or as soon uh, as possible. As soon as possible. Yes. Well, the big so, how many people? Uh, October. So. Right, and th just to be clear, I know there's also um, the state. I usually like to reference is Delaware because obviously we're similar in size and uh, stature there, but. I believe they're going to be bringing football back. They can practice, start practicing on the 28th, and I believe they can start on the 19th of October. So that's, um, that's uh, you know, definitely, definitely glad to hear that. And I know also Colorado and Michigan have turned things around as well. So things are looking up in that direction there. As um, they should. Yes. 
G, question for you. So being uh, with safety and working with OSHA, how safe or unsafe is it for the, would you, in your opinion, for the kids to play? Is it any less safe than, than them being in the classroom? Well, you know, it, it's all about following the guidelines, having mm -hmm. the resources to follow the guidelines. Um, you know, knowing what Todd does for a living and having a couple of, uh, <laughs> of my closest buddies uh, in the business, yeah. what they have to go through to sanitize cars, what yeah. they have to go through to prep their facilities. Um, so I'm a uh, recently retired. I spent 35 years in uh workplace uh, safety training uh, in manufacturing. And now I've got a little consulting group going and actually was out at a, looking at a site uh, this afternoon. And um, what's the name? You can feel free to plug it to everybody. Uh, uh, well, yeah. it's, it's, I, I haven't signed a contract yet. So I'll, uh, I don't know if I'm at liberty to, uh, to do that yet, but we'll tweet it out for you. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, but the thing is that, if you follow the rules and guidelines, if you structure it, if you get people who are motivated to follow the rules and guidelines, I think you can make a, you can play and play it safe. Uh, you know, with honestly, I, 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 I shake my head when I listen to uh, these people saying, well, now the new thing is they're, they're funding grants for groups and companies to take it outside is what they're calling it. Yep. They're actually giving money to restaurants to buy the outside heat lamps. They're talking about companies taking training and meetings outside. And then they're putting kids in a classroom building and that is does not have the protocols in place. I've seen some workplaces where people are on top of each other and the mask usage is very limited. And what's happening for sanitation and decontamination is not being done properly. Then you see some places that have limited resources, but they have the desire to do it and they have people who are taking it seriously and it can be done. Uh, the thing, I, I think the game situation is probably this may sound a little silly, is the uh, safest because yeah, you've Absolutely. got a, at a game, you've got structure. I mean, you got the zebras out there and no, nobody watches the little things like the zebras watch it. And those zebras can actually be a benefit because they're going to monitor what's going on. And um, my concern, and, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm, a, I'm a retired coach, but I'm still involved with my my guys, Tommy Maluski and the staff at Cranston West, I scout now. I spend more time coaching up the co coaches than working with the kids after 40-some years as a uh, high school coach. And, um, you know, with the things we talked about that are, are a concern, but the players, I think that if the kids were willing to come and work like they did all summer without anything in front of them, like, yes, you're going to play. It was just a wish and a hope. And they were yeah. working out three times a week at anywhere from 6.30 to 7 o'clock in the morning. And they, on any given day, there were 40, 45 kids there. So if you could funnel that desire into keeping – and one of the problems I worry about is, I mean, I coached for a long time, and, uh, and, and I, I hope I'm not offending any high school janitors, but uh, they're not always the most industrious folks. And uh, you got to keep those lockers clean. I, I would recommend, and I would do it when I sometimes when I had freshman 
teams during the summertime, they didn't bring their equipment uh, into the locker room. They brought it in a bag. And so if you can keep the equipment out of the locker rooms and you put it in a bag and they have their bag outside and, you know, you can get plenty of spray bottles and sanitize and maintain it there. I just think they've got to give them a chance to try it. And the clock yeah. is ticking because, you know, Emerson knows he's, you know, he played the game at a very high level, but you need that time to get these kids prepared. You know, I, mm -hmm. uh, I'm the one of the worst fantasy football players going. Ask Matt. The guys in our league love to play me. But uh, the injury numbers, and I'm looking at the injuries that took place week one of the NFL because they had limited contact. You know, they were they were playing it a lot softer than you ever practiced at preseason, Emerson, whether it was at Pilgrim or at Syracuse. But, the, um, you know, I, I, you've got to get the kids ready to play, and I think a limited schedule of six or, six or eight games, yeah. if they can, you know, get the guidelines and follow them. I think, trust me, I think these coaches, the coaches that are dedicated to it and the coaches that have the staff to do it, and uh, I think it could be done, and I think I it can think be done safely. It's important, too, in my opinion, because it's not – Emerson was talking about it before. It's not just about playing football. There's so many opportunities that playing athletics brings to kids that we really need to figure out a way to manage the risk and understand that by not playing, there's also risk and bad things that might happen as well. And you just got to make the most educated decision, in my oh, opinion. Absolutely. And the thing is, the, the value these kids have being part of these teams – Right. goes well beyond wins and losses. I mean, I, I can – again, my first coaching job was in 1971, a long time ago. I thought we were talking about that. Yeah. Oh, wait, when is, no, when, what year is this? Did they play barefoot back then? Yeah. What year is this photo from? That photo was from uh, senior day. That would have been 1971 at uh, Providence College. Now, In number 50, right? If I'm not yeah, that, that was me. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was me. Pouring over everybody. Yeah, well, see, what happened to Providence? Providence College played uh, big-time football until World War II. They played Holy Cross. They played Boston College. They played the, the Catholics and the whole bit. And then when they came back from World War II, uh, they stopped playing football. And then they brought it back as a club sport. But you call it a club sport, and the only difference was the club had to raise the money. The school supported us. The school gave us practice facilities. The school took care of us with training facilities and that the like. And then, uh, you know, the club programs that we played against uh, all are now varsity programs. And they went varsity. And Providence was had a great winning programs at the time. And then they got to the point where some of the alumni got behind it. And there was a gentleman who was a, uh, from Cranston and you might've remembered the Malloy brothers, uh, Matt, they were hockey players. Yeah, yeah. Well, their dad, Tom Malloy was Thomas Aquinas yeah. Malloy was a, uh, had a very successful business. He was in the lumber business and he was a great, a great football fan. And he went to Providence college with his checkbook in hand. And told them, asked them, what is it going to take me to make this a varsity program? These guys deserve it and the whole bit. And they all kind of swallowed and they kind of gasped because he's there with a checkbook and a pen. And within two years, the support started waning. And the next thing you know, within two years after that, the uh, they closed the program down. Because they, uh, and this is before Title IX, so they weren't in really worried about the number of spots, but yeah. 
they just were not ready because, I mean, all they had for fall sports is uh, the Tracys and all those Olympic yeah. runners going around and a, and a very bad soccer program. But they just didn't want football. And then once they went to the Big East, you know, they said then that uh, football, well, football was going to be the ruination of the basketball Big East because football was going to run the league because, yeah. as Emerson knows, well, at that, that level. later down the road. Yeah, but the, but, the, but the money, but that, that's what broke it up because the football school said, wait a minute, why are we sharing all this foot money that we're getting because of football um, participation and the bowl money and everything? with these other poor teams that just play basketball, right. like the Providence Colleges and the Georgetowns Seton and the like, Hall. and Seton yeah. Hall. But, um, yeah. Well, not to cut it short, but we have a few more minutes before we got to go to the next podcast. So, uh, Emerson, what, a couple things, and then we're going to do our fantasy draft. So, mm -hmm. where can people, because I butchered in the intro, I apologize, the two businesses that you're running. I'm really sorry. We're running behind, and I didn't have all my stuff. Uh, give me a quick, you know, minute synopsis of the two businesses you're running and how people can help the kids play again football in the fall. Okay, so the two businesses I'm running, uh, one is 401 Strength and Fitness. Uh, it's a brand new gym in Warwick. Um, it's on 400 Warwick Ave, uh, number seven. It's a uh, it's a multifunctional gym. Um, I'm, I'm working on I'm working with football players right now, but it's also open to the public. Uh, you know, often uh, private and uh, semi-private uh, sessions. So um, you know, so folks can get a workout. It's a smaller gym, so you have to worry about uh, you know the the other bigger gyms and, and their policies. You know, there's constant cleaning here. Like you know, I take that out to make sure everything yeah. is spotless. And uh, you know, people feel secure that the place is clean, and they get a solid workout, and they go about their business. So, um, where can they find you? Is there a website they can find you? Uh, yes, it's a four one strength and fitness dot com. I'm actually having a, it, it's being built as we speak. Uh, so okay. uh, this uh, that you can find us on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. But right. that will be putting that'll be up hopefully soon. Uh, the second one is so fall on flex is actually something I've been working on for the past uh, couple of years. Um, it is a it's a hybrid form of football. It's nine on nine. Um, it's a low impact, but high intensity version of football that uh, really gets every single position involved. Um, it, it, it involves a lineman, which is obviously the main reason why I like to do it because I'm a formal offense and defensive lineman. Um, a lot of these, you know, five on five on seven on seven uh, groups and you know, organizations, stuff like that, it does get the kids out, but it doesn't get to me the most important part of football out. You know, if anyone's a football guy, they know that the game is won and lost in the trenches. And unfortunately, five on five and seven on seven, are, they're just not getting that done. So uh, flex football offers an opportunity for all positions, offensive and defensive linemen to be um, involved. And it's the most realistic look outside of tackle. So um, it's, um, you know, it's something I've been uh, really working on for the past little bit. Yes, COVID did put a little snag in my uh, plan for this year, but uh, hopefully next year, uh, depending on how this all turns out, um, it'll be strong and I'll get teams in. Um, you can also find the link uh, to 401 Flex on our website at sfbnri.com, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, and the, the, the website there is uh, 401flex.com. All right, perfect. Um, and uh, to support what you guys are doing for the state, obviously we're using hashtag let them play our eyes or anything else that anybody yeah. can do out there. 
Um, honestly, uh, I, I'm on the site, the Re- Reopen Sports in, in Rhode Island, in RI, excuse me. Um, you know, please join us there. Uh, I, again, this is a, a non-political site here. We are 100% for these student athletes. Um, we want to get them back um, on the field, on the court, and really just to give them the, the opportunity to play and to see what opportunity is going to be in front of them, you know, if, if they get on these college coaches' radar. I mean, that's that's really why I'm doing this. You know, I, I know what sports has done for my life, and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be the, the story of mine going to Division One because my, my thought process has always been this, you know, success in high school is playing past high school. You know, so so it doesn't matter what you know what you know wherever you decide to go if if you're especially from Rhode Island because we're not a heavy recruited state so if, if you have an opportunity to play past high school I consider you a success from Rhode Island. All right. Well, that's awesome. Um, again, hashtag let them play RI. Um, also, uh, reopen uh, sports RI on Facebook. We're gonna do our fantasy draft. We got a couple minutes before we're gonna end up getting kicked off. Um, because we had a late start. We apologize. So it's fantasy uh, football style. We're going to start with Emerson. We'll go Emerson, G, Todd, and Matt, and we'll snake it back. It is the best team in any sport to win a championship, uh, to not win a championship. Win a I apologize. Um, do you want to do uh, – we try, usually try to do five. We've got a little bit of time. You think we want to – Todd, you want to try to condense it? We get it to three? Yeah, let's do three. And we'll then do three. Time. All right, we'll do three just for time's sake. So first pick, Emerson, you're up. I would say the Minnesota Vikings of 1998-1999. Randall Cunningham? Yeah, they honestly, so they played, they lost to Atlanta Falcons in in the NFC Championship. Uh, I mean, they were absolutely dominant the entire season and really just fell short and just absolutely shocked. So I I definitely think that that's definitely one of them. All right. right. Lee, what do you got? Okay, I've got. I'm going, going a little bit further back. What a surprise! But uh, I got uh, my first one. Put is this up there again, 90- just again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the truth was, my first football helmet playing in CLCF oh, in 1961 was a leather McGregor helmet oh, with one plastic uh, face bar on the bottom. Kind of like a Billy Kilmer in 1961. But, uh, you know, I think that accounts for a lot of the things I do now because the helmet was bad. But 1994, I'm going baseball. And uh, this was the best team that no one knows anything about. And it was the 1994 Montreal Expos. Montreal Expos. Oh, Larry Walker. Pedro Martinez was a young puppy. Uh, They had so many players. Well, their their winning percentage was six forty nine. With the schedule they had left, they were on track to win somewhere between a hundred and twelve and a hundred and sixteen games. Jerry, you're going to laugh. Uh, on April fourteenth, the what? Major League uh, Baseball strike. Yeah, the owners and locked up the players. They didn't win because of the strike, right? Yep. Yes. Well, they, they weren't going to win anyway because the Yankees were going to win that year. <laughs> of course. That's my pick. So what do you yeah. think of that? That was the baseball that? chance. He got screwed. Uh, so there's my pick for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go with Emerson with some football. I'm going to do uh, 
I'm going to pick specifically the 1991 Bills, but the that not right. that early 90s era Buffalo Bills. Oh, God. Oh, I blow it up. Pick, Tell me I blow the draft board. All right, so go again. And then I'm going to make a I'm going to come back around with I'll go basketball and I'm going to do uh the 97 Jazz. 97 Jazz. Yes. Brandon I have, I actually have that. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. All right, Todd, what do you got? Right, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go college. I'm going to go I be, I'm going to go I believe it's it was 05, the 05 USC Trojans, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush lost okay. to Carter. That's a good that one. Team. What do you got, G? Well, I'm going to get a piece of that uh, Buffalo Bills run <laughs> with the the 91 uh the 91 Super Bowl game. Now, I'm a Giants fan. Yeah. I'm yeah. a diehard Giants fan. I mean, I I started following football when there was no Boston, Boston Patriots, New England Patriots, yeah. but it was the Giants. And, you know, the Giants played a pretty ugly game because that that Buffalo team was coming in. I mean, that was that Thurman Thomas and Kelly and yeah. re, I mean, receivers everywhere. Uh, yeah. uh, Smith on defense, just a great team. But then it came down to Scott Norwood. Scott Norwood, wide right. <laughs> wide right. <laughs> All right. Jerry, Anderson, I'm we got you for my, my final pick. You're gonna <laughs> like it. <laughs> what do you got, Emerson? Two in a row. Um, I would say the uh, the Green Bay Packers of um, 1998. Okay. Uh, so I, I was just amazed. That was, that was the year they you know the year before they beat the Patriots, and then um, you know they played Denver and just. I one of the guys I truly idolized was Reggie White, and I just remember him on the sideline sucking oxygen. They just wore them out, yeah. and they were, they were much smaller. I mean, you had Gilbert Brown, Reggie White. I mean, these guys were enormous and just you know just really solid football players. And I just remember seeing them on the sidelines with oxygen, just yeah. out of it, and then wore them down, just chopped that big old tree right down. What's and the next one? I was shocked. Uh, who else you got? You got another pick. They got two. You got two in a row. Um, so I'm actually going to go with college basketball here. And I'm going to go with uh, Wichita State of uh, 2013. Wow. Um, yeah, I was. It's good. I was like, wow. They're, they're on their way. And they just got stopped. They, they All right. Another shocker. What do you got, G? Well, and I'm not sure which year it was, and I'm thinking it's going to be like 1970. Yeah, it might have been 70, 71. It was Cleveland Browns. It was a great wow. Cleveland Browns team with uh, – oh, here we go, Cleveland it. Browns with uh, with Jim Brown and, uh, you know, played – pulling out Jim Brown. Played, I love uh, that. Yeah, he's a Syracuse guy. He's a I played a great game against uh, you know the Packers. This was the this would have been seventy uh, probably seventy four because the Packers that was the, one of the last Paul Horning games played in the mud and you know it, it was all set up for Cleveland and the field wasn't there and they contained Jim Brown and then within two years Jim Brown had retired and uh, went and make movies and that was it. I mean Jim Brown. Really was a guy who should have got an NFL championship, yeah. but what you know, and yes. never, yes. never did, Absolutely. never All did. Right. 
Todd, who you got? All right, I had I had John Walsh, uh, Calipari's first Kentucky team teed up, but this is I'm going to go with this one just for you, Jerry. I think the best team to to never win a championship was that 1990 49ers team that should have three-peated and lost to the Giants and Roger Craig fumble late in a Matt Barfield goal. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So last pick. I'm gonna. I, I thought this was obvious, but I didn't. I can't believe it's still here. The uh, 2007 Patriots, maybe. I'm, I'm surprised the Warriors didn't get picked either. The 73 win yeah. Warriors. I think yeah. we're trying to. We're yeah. trying to get real. I'm gonna go for the obvious one. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, gonna, I'm gonna try to win the draft with the crowd. With all. Oh, yeah, that you know. Patriots. <laughs> I tell you what, um, as a Patriots hater, can I sneak one extra one yeah, in? You can sneak one, one little minute in. All right. One extra one in. Uh, that Patriots team, that was the Russ Francis, uh, Steve Grogan, that team, hey, Sam Cunningham. Oh, that was might have been earlier than that. The Ru- Russ Francis still around with them. And that's the one they went out to play the uh, Raiders, and they had the Raiders beat. And Ben Dreif came up on a fourth down play and Household called – Called yeah. called a lousy rough in the passer on uh, I think it was Sugar Bay Hamilton and uh, the name. Raiders the Raiders got the first <laughs> down came down the field and Stabler threw one uh, to keep the Patriots out. So of the, the refs Super Bowl. gave him back. The refs paid it back later on with uh, with the tuck rule with the yeah. tuck rule and the <laughs> snowplow coming on the field. It all worked out. Um, exactly. <laughs> well, guys, thank you both so That's much, fun. Coach Marzilli, Emerson. We really appreciate the time. We're sorry for the late start. We ran over in front of the other show. Hey, minutes. Jerry, congratulations to your son on the nuptials this week. That's right. When we, is it, Friday head, or Saturday? It's Friday. We're heading down tomorrow right. down to the Cape for some good times. Have fun with that, man. Congratulations. Oh, Johnny, I said, what's up? We'll guys, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Todd, another great uh, episode. We'll be talking, yeah. I'm sure, every day this week, but we'll, uh, yeah. I'll see you next Wednesday. Cool. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye.